Okay, so I'm watching St. Louis and Detroit. I'm on my floor. I really need the set now. I really, we need to move. I, I've got one board that's got the Buffalo 10-game winning streak video all up on it that's still up there, all beautifully framed by the, the studio lighting. I'm not even in the studio. Because I'm in the other half of the living room with one board that's tracking the scores of all the games that are on now. Another board I'm setting up for tomorrow's games. I've got the tiny board that has all of the magnets on it for the goals. Because that's all that, all, that, all that does. And I keep an eye on the power rankings board, which I'm updating with the results of each game. And it gets chaotic. But, you know, I talk about the power rankings and it's funny. Um, I think it was the sporting news that got retweeted that I noticed today. Where they... They tweeted out their preseason predictions, and uh, they they were very very wrong. They were extremely wrong, and you know I could have told them before the season started they were wrong. First off, they had the Indianapolis Colts at two and fourteen. Well, with Andrew Luck back, they're not going to be that bad. They may not make the playoffs, but they're not going to be two and two and fourteen. That's no, that's not going to happen. But it's it's funny because. We're in an era now where immediately people have access to you and what you've said or or something like that. And somebody said, uh, a lot of people should be fired over this, was the comment I noticed where I was like, wait, people should be fired over a prediction of the season? Oh, I agree. Whoever said Indianapolis is going to go 2-14, and I would have looked at them and said, "Um, no, not with Andrew Luck back, they're not. But I don't think somebody should be fired. It's it's a, a a funny aspect of this is that I've I've fallen into this. I'm just a regular hockey fan like everybody else. I just started up a channel that took off, and now it's sixty seven thousand subscribers. I yeah I don't I don't know how I got here. I don't know how this happened, but I, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, so I'm not going to ask too many questions. And I try to provide the best content for people I can. But there's that there's that perception of if I get something wrong, it means I'm not good at this. But when you're trying to predict the future, like I could I could understand if if I stood there and I said, well, the Oilers have never won the Stanley Cup, and then somebody said they've won five, and I answer with, oh, whatever, they've never won it. Then yeah, you could question whether or not anything that I said from that point forward actually meant anything or not, but. Nobody's good at predicting. And the funny thing is, before this season started, we had the poll with the channel so that, you know, people from the channel would be, you know, saying this is what our our belief is and who's going to finish where. And uh, that was there. And yet, that you know, that, that idea of, well, you should know more. Why? I am, I am still at a level of... Um, Zero official sources. I have people that will message me that work with certain teams or for certain teams, and they'll tell me about stuff that's going on in the locker room or why somebody got fired, why somebody got traded, this kind of thing. I don't share it on the channel because technically it's gossip, but I don't have any information that should lead to me being able to predict things. It's not like I can say, well, Matthews might be able to win the goal-scoring title, but he's going to get injured about a month into the season. He's going to miss about four weeks' time, and that's going to hurt his chances of winning the scoring title. Now, when it actually happened, at that point, I'm not the hockey guy. I'm the Nostradamus guy, which isn't really my job. And if I was that good at predicting things, 
I would be making money on sports action, and I wouldn't need to have a channel and, and discuss things with people at all. I would just sit in bed every night and watch games for that reason. Like, for instance, tonight. And let's, let's look at this from a power rankings perspective. So Toronto's beating San Jose. Toronto's ahead of San Jose on my power rankings. Uh, the Blues and the Red Wings. The Red Wings, last I looked, were ahead 3-2 to two in this one. And Dallas right now has got the first goal on, on Calgary, which means they're going to lose it, sadly. But it just doesn't matter. I, I'm sorry. I know that makes me sound like a horrible fan, but 35 years of being conditioned to, to understand that your team's going to suck, sort of sort of like Florida's attendance tonight. HDTVs should not be used for Florida attendance. When you're watching a game from Florida... They should just make standard definition so that you can't clearly see nobody's in those seats. You can kind of see it, but it's a little fuzzy. Oh, that's depressing. Seriously depressing. But yeah, Florida's tied with Atlanta, which makes some... Or Atlanta. Anaheim, because the both teams are in the bottom row. Although Anaheim, I think, has a better chance in this one. Uh, because it's James Reimer and Nett. Uh, the Red Wings were ahead of the Blues. That would match up with my power rankings. If Dallas upsets Calgary, that goes against my power rankings. It's like last week, you know, I have the Oilers in 13th. Why? Because they've looked better under um, Ken Hitchcock. People say, Shannon, you're crazy. Then they lose 5-2 to two at L.A. And what made it worse is that there was two empty netters in there. It was actually 3-2 to two with the empty netters. It makes it 5-2, to two and it looks way worse. It looks like they got killed. And that's the narrative coming out, right? Well, they got killed by uh, by L.A. Uh, a one-goal loss is not really a murder. That's not, you know, when it's 7-1, to one, it's a murder. If it's 5-3 to three and, or 5-2 to two and every goal has a goalie in that, yeah, then you could talk about it like it's a killing. But then there's an article on NHL today about how under Ken Hitchcock, the Edmonton Oilers are 2-1-1, one, and, one, and they've only allowed eight goals in the four games since he took over. And the team's entire philosophy has changed, and their penalty kill is getting a lot better. Huh. And I, I said in my power rankings, I thought they've looked better, and people slaughter me for it. No, they haven't. I, I think, sometimes I think what part of it is, is that you get caught up in, in the highlight packages at the end of a game. Uh, you get caught up in um, the scores and the standings. And there are teams that the standings doesn't show how well they're playing. And there's teams that have a good record that aren't playing that well as well. I look at Buffalo's uh, 10-game winning streak, for example. It starts out with shootout wins. Shootout wins are not convincing. When the Rangers went on that streak, there were some shootout wins in them. That's not a convincing thing. Uh, and it, again, and I've, I've said this, and a lot of people have said it, I don't think a shootout win should be worth the same amount of points as a regulation win. I, I think that's that's got that would be frustrating to me as a player to know that we went out there tonight and we won eight nothing. We absolutely killed our opponent, and the team that we're tied with for the for a playoff spot, they won three to two in a shootout over one of the worst teams in the league. But since it was a win, eh, they got the same amount of points we did. So that's always frustrated me on some level that I think there should be more recognition for that that. That regulation win, although a three-two-one system, I've never liked that idea. I'm a two and zero guy. I'm a you get two points or you get nothing, and people don't like that idea. They really, really don't. I've mentioned it before, and people really hate that idea. A lot of people say, "Hey, if it's tied after sixty minutes, you should get a point." Except 
hockey's the only sport that happens with. If you go to overtime in, in football and you lose, you lose. And I never heard a football fan say, we lost in overtime. Why don't we get a point for that? It's not not a thing. Uh, baseball, we lost in 18 innings. That's two football games, or two baseball games, I should say. And yet, you never hear a baseball fan say, well, we should get a half a game for that. Because it took till the 18th inning. So it's it's only in in hockey that you see if you lose in overtime, you should get something for it. I, I think there's some soccer leagues that do that as well. Not all of them, I don't think. But it's it's this weird sense of because the game is tied after regulation, you should automatically get a point. Because it's not a thing in 90% of sports. You just don't see it like, oh, well, yeah, they should get a point because they lost later. Should we give out a point at the end of the first and a point at the end of the second and a third point at the end? I'm being ridiculous. I know I'm being ridiculous. I think, too, where we get caught is that the game has been a certain way for so long that any kind of change is seen as an affront to our our our, our, our um, sensibilities as hockey fans. But when they first brought in overtime, there were people that opposed it that said 60 minutes is enough. You can't expect these, these guys to play 65 minutes every game. This is ridiculous. It's a tie game. Just leave it as a tie and go home. This extra point stuff is just crap. That's just stupid. And I'm one as well that thinks that all these overtime losses makes mediocre teams with bad records look better than what they really are. I, I really and truly believe that. Uh, and as the season goes along, I have no problem with doing a preview someday where instead of showing their record with wins, losses, and overtime losses, just go straight wins and losses. The problem with that is I have to pull out shootout wins and shootout losses and make them ties because I can't give them credit for wins and credit for losses out of shootouts if I'm going to be honest with myself, right? Um so sort of make it like if, if the NHL listened to me, and they won't because that's not their job, I'm just a regular hockey fan, um, this is how the standings would look. It would be overtime uh, wins and losses. They're just two points and zero points. Uh, in the shootout, you can make them two and one. Yes, you would see teams not playing as hard in overtime necessarily, but you'd see instances where where it's a divisional matchup and a team goes really, 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 really hard after that win because they know, hey, if we win this one in overtime, we can we can make it so we get the two points and they get nothing. And if this goes to a shootout, they're guaranteed at least one point. I don't know. I don't think there's a perfect system. Um, any 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 system of playoffs has never been perfect in the NHL. And uh, nobody's ever going to be completely happy with everything. Um, for instance, discussing which conference is stronger. Eh. You can argue that the East is stronger than the West. I could argue that uh, the the top three or four teams in the West are just as good as the top three or four teams in the East. And in some cases, they're stronger. But again, um, that's kind of what the power rankings are, are for, I guess, to kind of give that idea. And the West does very well in the power rankings. Um, and yeah, there are weeks where I think, you know, I could just take that board apart and find something else to do instead, but it's not actually going to happen. It's not going anywhere. Um, part of, part of having a YouTube channel is, is balancing what I want to do videos on and what I enjoy doing videos on. Uh, for instance, I got the new hockey card stories too by Ken Reed. 
Yeah, it's a shameless plug, and I'm not getting paid for it, and it's fantastic. I even gave him a a, a, a shout out on on Twitter for how awesome the book is, uh, and it is. It's really funny. Uh, just the initial Bob McGill story, I was completely hooked right off the bat. Uh, Bob McGill talking about George Kingston and San Jose is just oh, there's some fantastic stuff in there. Um, and I wish I had seen that rant. I wish there was some video footage of that rant that McGill went on in, in San Jose that caused him to get scratched and ultimately traded. But, um, yeah, in, in that book, he gets into this story of the, um, now was it in that book or the first one? Cause I have the first hockey cards, um, story, hockey card stories book as well. Uh, there's a Richard Berder uncorrected error which isn't actually an error at all, but people think it's Frank Caprice on the card, and it's not him. So they interview Frank Caprice. So you see what the, what the chapter's about, you think, oh, this will be a Richard Berder chapter. It's actually Frank Caprice. Frank Caprice was a goaltender in Vancouver. I liked him a lot. I thought he was actually pretty good. And he did have points in during the season where it looked like he might be the starter. He would start a few games in a row. Uh, ultimately, it didn't work out for him. He, I believe it said he played 102 games in the NHL. He never had a hockey card. And that always bothered me. I remembered as a little kid, um, I I would get all my cards, and I'd be like, oh, I don't have a card for this guy. So I made myself a Frank Caprice hockey card where I, I would draw a little picture on it and put his name on the bottom and the team he played for. I'd write it all in marker, and I'd make sure the card was the exact same size as the rest of my hockey cards, and that way I'd have a team set. I'd be like, there, I have a Frank Caprice card. Uh, Neil Belland of the Canucks was another one that I made a custom card for as a little kid. And, uh, yeah, I would love to do a video on Frank Caprice, on his career, on why I liked him. Um, I have an 8x10 that I ordered of Frank Caprice that's been sitting and waiting to debut in a video. But I know it won't get any views at this stage of the year. I know that's probably an off-season thing. I would love to do something like that. And I told Yvonne, I said, you know, I said, I'd love to do a series on hockey players who never got a hockey card. Uh, it would be really hard to find anybody from the last, say, almost 30 years that didn't get one because you have so many sets that are so bloody big. Like Opeachy sets now are 600 cards. They're huge. But I, I think it would be a lot of fun to have a set that uh, a set of videos that I do on guys who were never in a set of hockey cards. Um, that would be just amazing. But again, I have to go with what, with what works. And what works is previews reviews which i have to watch all the games for and anaheim florida is entertaining florida can you start supporting the panthers a little bit please anyways uh just it's sad looking at all these bloody empty seats what the hell anyways um but yeah you know there are videos i'd love to do but i know what works and i look at the revenues and i look at the view counts and i look at the the retention and they're high on all of them except power rankings can you stop skipping to the end i've started thinking about ways to make it so that people can't skip to the end but there isn't really a way to make sure they can't i know last week's video uh i made the the mistake of a decision of uh, not doing the switch around at the end and i admit now that was a mistake because people were arguing with me immediately i was like wait you're arguing with me and i just posted it oh wow awesome great so they've started already just skip to the end and argue with me on where i have teams Awesome. Just great. Anyways, I'm going to cut this off here, update the board some more, 
uh, switch around from from whatever games are on now. This Anaheim Florida though, this is a good game, and the shots currently are forty to twenty three for Florida. So the only reason this game is a tie is this guy John Gibson, who I'm not sure if I've talked about him this year. He's a pretty good goaltender, but for some reason, people that clearly don't watch the Anaheim Ducks think he's a middling to mediocre goaltender, and I've seen it. Uh, there was a post that made me do a double take about a month ago that said the only reason the Ducks won't make the playoffs is that lousy goaltender Gibson. And I'm like, what? That, pardon? No. Uh-uh. No, that's not a thing. Gibson's never cost a team a playoff spot. All right. Uh, so I'm going to shut her down here for, for now. But uh, thank you guys for listening to me vent for a bit and talk for a bit. Um it's, it's that time of year where we start getting towards the holidays and where teams start really solidifying their spot in the playoffs. And we're going to get into teams selling probably shortly before Christmas. I have a funny feeling that the seller's market's going to open up a little sooner because I think there are some teams that want to get into the whole rebuild business. And for anybody who thinks Philly's going to do a rebuild, I, I don't think they're going to. I honestly think Philly is looking to... to uh, to, to bu- uh, build things up and make the playoffs this year and go on a run. I think that's why uh, Ron Hextall got fired, uh, ultimately. I don't think this was just a matter of not firing the coach or not getting a goalie. I think this was Holmgren saying, we should be better than this by now, you're in year five. And uh, Hextall saying, trust the process. And the Flyers saying, no. I really think that's what this is. But we'll see, right? All right, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are awesome. And I'll talk to you again soon.